Don't get me wrong. I love music, but it's hard to compete with a symphony of crashing waves on a granite ledge, wind in the pines, crickets on a still night, or birds singing on a spring morning. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. When I used to live on a dead-end road on the banks of a lovely Downeast River, I got well acquainted with sharing my small basement apartment with a variety of stowaways. There were the ubiquitous mice that came and went with the seasons, and occasionally we found a shrew or a mole. Chasing these fluffy mammals were snakes, mostly milk snakes. While we only saw the snakes once in a while, we did find their droppings in corners and closets just about any time we moved our furniture around. But they were harmless to us, kept to themselves, and most likely just reduced the mouse population, so we were fine with these scaly visitors. But as a relatively light sleeper, once the clock hits 3 a.m., one group of critters in our little apartment that I never grew to love were the crickets. Crickets are a broad group of insects in the order Orthoptera, who are cousins to grasshoppers and katydids. There are many species of crickets in our area, which fall into several genera. In some resources, I find only a few species listed for Maine, but in other more technical literature, I find dozens. Perhaps the most ubiquitous group are the field crickets, who all neatly fall into the genus Gryllus. These are the glossy black critters that most people think of when they imagine a cricket. But here in Maine, we also have green tree crickets, as well as tan and brown cave or camel crickets. Our male field crickets chirp for two reasons. The first is to stake a claim to a specific breeding territory. It's a warning to other males to keep out. The second is to call female crickets over to mate. It is easy to tell between male and female crickets because the females have a long, slender ovipositor where you would expect a tail to be, which they use to lay eggs into the soil after breeding. Crickets chirp through the stridulation, or rubbing to produce sound, of the leading edge of their wings. Unlike humans, crickets entirely lack ears, but can detect the vibration of the sound through receptors in their legs, so they more feel the sound than hear it. This also makes them exceptionally capable of detecting the vibration of a predator approaching their territory, or PJ-clad me seeking to evict them from my apartment. Unfortunately for me, however, I hear the sound. Whereas the sound of crickets chirping at night as you drift off in your tent when camping is music for the soul and for sound sleep, a field cricket staking its territorial claim at 2 a.m. a foot from my ear under the bed is essentially an alarm clock. It was in this apartment when I truly gained an appreciation for how much noise those tiny crickets can produce from their tiny wings. In 1897, American physicist Amos Dolbear published an article titled The Cricket as a Thermometer, where he outlines what later would be known as Dolbear's Law, which, as an aside, really isn't an actual scientific law, but instead a trend. Dolbear suggested a formula that one can use to estimate the ambient air temperature outside based on how quickly crickets chirp. In his research, he most likely based it off of tree crickets, but it does seem to work on our field crickets within a couple degrees. This phenomenon works because crickets are cold-blooded, so how fast they move is directly tied to the ambient air temperature. Dolbear's law states that you can determine the temperature in degrees Fahrenheit by counting the number of chirps you can hear from a single cricket over the course of one minute. Then subtract 40 from this number, divide the resulting number by 4, and add 50. I personally have found a simpler equation to work just as well. 
Count the number of chirps in 15 seconds, then add 40 to that number for the temperature in Fahrenheit. So this weekend, I hope you are lucky enough not to have a cricket under your bed, but perhaps you might hear some of the last cricket chirps of the season as we careen towards regular hard frosts and a quiet, almost bugless world. If you do hear chirping crickets, you could try applying Dolbear's Law to measure the temperature. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology.